Hi, and welcome to Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors, the podcast where you get to meet leaders who have swum against the tide, thrown out the rule book, and changed the way their sector does business for good. I'm Jeff Dewing, and I'm the founder and CEO of Cloud Facilities Management, an FM business where we thrive on taking data-driven risk so our clients don't have to. Today, you're going to meet Levent Yildiz Godin, who was born in Turkey, lived most of his life in the UK, and has been running a very successful business in translation services. Levent has actually written a book during the same sort of time as I was writing my book called Good Business in Any Language. And Levent's mission and his purpose is to help businesses globalize in multicultural countries and areas where they would never have dreamed of operating. He has a simplistic principle and methodology that enables you to address any market that you choose to go in. And he's named that methodology Lingo. And if you want to understand how that works, you need to look at his website, go look at Good Business Any Language book. There is lots and lots of incredible information. And he's also enjoyed the fact that the book has been promoted heavily on Amazon and is now a bestseller. So congratulations to Levent for that. In addition, Levent has also launched his own podcast a few years ago, where he has had the most incredible, diverse guest profile that you could imagine with incredible knowledge and information that is shared on a regular basis. His podcast has now been watched by more than 100,000 people and is an incredible success. Now, I'm really interested in understanding how... Levent has been so focused on this approach and helping people in working across global markets because he's actually been doing this now with his business and his wife for the last 29, 30 years. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how he's maintained that momentum and that resilience and more importantly, understand why he's so passionate about helping so many other people. So, welcome, Levent, and thank you so much for joining me today for this podcast. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. I'm looking forward to today. We've obviously um, known each other for a while. I'm pleased that you brought me onto your podcast when you first started it a few years ago, which was a, a great experience, so thank you for that. Pleasure. And now, of course, on our one, it's, it's about how do we come out of our comfort zone? How do we break the rules? How do we change the game? So... I guess with that in mind, Levent, if you can perhaps just sort of set the scene and then take us through maybe an example in your career um, or your life where you've done the complete opposite to what most people would expect or change the rules um, and how that impacted you or your family or your colleagues um, and sort of take us on that journey. That'd be great. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Jeff. Interesting, you know, reading your book and talking about doing the opposite. It kind of made me kind of reflect on what did I do in, you know, doing the opposite. And then I realized that actually that started long, long, long time ago. I won't go in a lot of details, but when we started primary school, the first year, we had a lovely teacher and teacher was asking everyone, you know, what do you want to be? You know, what do you do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And people were saying, yeah, I want to be a doctor. I think that doctor was the most favorite thing, engineer, the solicitor. Yeah. And then she asked me, she said, what do you want to be? 
And <laughs> what I, what I said to her, she kind of, I could see her being shocked. Because in our street, we had a, a waste disposal uh, lorries. And those lorries, they were large, huge uh, lorries. And at the back of them, they had platforms. So the waste uh, bin man would hang on the platforms. As the uh, lorry is slowing down, they would jump down, collect what they had to stop, collect, and then jump back on that platform and go. And I would watch that sort of with amazement. How cool is that? So I said to her, yeah. Innocently, I said, I want to be a bin man. And she said, okay. <laughs> so next thing I knew, she, she invited my parents to the school. She said, um, is there problems at home? And, you know, is he all right? And is there something we need to, we need to be aware of? So I think, you know, it kind of started there, doing the opposite. So, so what else? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest, uh, differentiator was for me is is really deciding to work for myself i think that that was the biggest disruption in my life but not just in my life in my family's life because at the time i didn't realize that my decision you know what i decided to do with my life would have such implications <laughs> in my family's uh, upbringing you know and that was of 1995, course. 1994. At the time, my wife was running the translation business that we have we have today, in a, in a different form. Uh, I was I had a full time job. I was in print printing trade, directors in a company car, you know, quite promising, getting on with the yeah. uh, shareholders very well, and then a, a sort of. A, a, sizable contract landed on, on the company. And I always wanted to do something for myself, you know, being in control of our lives. So me and my wife, we decided that I would resign from my job and join the company. And uh, let's do it. But what we didn't take into account is that we had two small children. Mortgage, actually it was just a couple of years after we had the, uh, uh, the, the house. And there was a kind of uh, a lurking recession uh, <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. so we didn't have those uh, Excel spreadsheets or Google spreadsheets, calculations. It was purely a decision made on emotions. <laughs> and uh, it could have gone wrong terribly, but somehow it didn't. And we said, actually, we did a little bit of risk analysis. We said, what can go wrong? This may not work. Are we going to lose our house? No, or we may, but if we don't do this now, when are we going to do it? So we decided that it was the time to do that. So I resigned my job, joined the company, started working from home. At the time, there was no home working as such. It is now, they are all proud to say that I'm working from home. At the time, it wasn't like that. And so we converted our lunch, half of our lunch into an office because we didn't have a time to look for an office or anything like that. And the small children, you know, we had like French doors and I could, I vividly remember my daughter coming to the French doors, you know, with glass, and, mommy, why can't I sit on your lap? <laughs> and, <laughs> she, you know, and um, luckily we had a, a childminder that they, they, they really liked. And um, so every time phone would go, we would say, 
children turned on the TV, be quiet. And, and uh, so, so it kind of affected them in a way. But I'm pleased to say it's not all negative. It's, you know, now my, both of my children, they're grown up adults. They have their jobs. They can look after themselves. Uh, they don't have to rely on us. And they are independent, happy uh, adults in, in happily good relationships. So, so after all, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't end up <laughs> that, that bad. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, to them, I guess, the fact they were so young, to them, that was normal, right? They didn't know any different. So um, bringing them into that environment and keeping that environment, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things where children are just so resilient. Yeah. You know, they, they, they see it as normal. So it doesn't really have the impact that you think it might have when you've experienced both sides of things. I, I agree with that because as a parent, I think we always felt guilty. But for them, they knew they were loved. They knew that we were really, really yeah, trying to do things uh, for the family. So, yes, you're right. But as a parent, I think it is, um, to this day, I still feel like a little uh, <laughs> guilty of, you know, uh, why, why am I missing? Why, how many, how many um, uh, school plays I missed and how many Halloween uh, trick-or-treats I missed. And, you know, it, it is mm. not possible not to think about them. But you're right, they are resilient. So then it seems normal, I guess. But I think when you when you now reflect um, Levent on the way we've all learned to adapt post COVID, and it's a subject I speak a lot about, that you've now got this environment, as you've just said, you know, you, yourself earlier, where you know, even if I look at my situation, you know, I'm spending a, almost a hundred percent of the time with my wife, and I'm lucky enough to now have two of my grandchildren, my daughter and, and her partner and grandchildren living with me. Oh, nice. Um, and the quality of time that we enjoy is is priceless. And I'm still able to do my job. I'm still able to work. I can, you know, in between calls or whatever, I go downstairs, I'll have lunch, I'll have a cup of tea with them, we'll sit and play with them. They're getting our attention a thousand times more than when you used to exit the property for 10 hours or 12 hours, come back and they're in bed. Yeah, yeah. And you, you really challenge why we've always behaved that way you know why have we why have we not been doing what we're doing now why did it take yeah, covid yeah, yeah. to catapult us into the reality of what we should have been doing and it's fascinating no, I, I i i couldn't agree more and and same applies applies to me as applied to me as well now i'm spending time at home with my wife and wow you know why did i yeah absolutely you know it's what you said resonated with me why didn't i do this before you know and, and leaving home for 10, 12 hours a day, which seemed perfectly normal. Now we come to realize that yeah. it's, it actually, this is better. <laughs> it's better this way. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's one of the most famous things I love to hear children say. It drives people wild, but it really, it really enriches me. When all you hear a young child say is, yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? <laughs> and you think, well, maybe as adults, we, yeah, we don't ask that question enough times, do we? Totally agree. Yes, yeah, we accept things very quickly. Whereas children, yeah, they want, they, they want answers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Levent, the other thing that I found interesting when we first met and, and also watching your your journey that I've watched at a distance through social media and, and various other methods, you, you, you went out and wrote an incredible book oh, thank you um about global business and and how you can actually quite easily trade globally as long as you follow a prescribed and proven methodology 
But the bit that really struck a chord with me was during your journey, you found this time in your life where you just had this overwhelming desire to help people, right? To help people solve problems that they thought was unsolvable. So try and tell me what 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 was that moment when you felt that that deep desire, when you felt that uh, you know that you're going to be more enriched by helping other yeah, people yeah. solve problems that you know you can help solve. So sort of tell tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for uh, asking that. Well, I think there was a number of things. It's difficult for me to say one event that has led me to this uh, kind of moment, but number of things. I probably the most um, Defining was when I had my ski accident in 2009. Uh, I broke my hip uh, really badly in such a way that I was advised not to put any pressure on it at all. Because I then found out that in normal hip injuries, after a month or two, they, they want you to put pressure on. So start walking. So the pressure makes the blood circulation. It helps with the healing. With my one, I was advised not to move at all. So for six months, I was immobile, another six months on crutches. So that's like a two, a year of my life. So when people ask me, you know, how old are you? I say a year less because that year was kind of, <laughs> I was out of action. And, um, but during that time, what I realized that after the initial shock was over, that I had to be taken to the UK, by, by road ambulance. And so after a few days, when the friends visiting you stop visiting, you know, because they can't visit you all the time, then so, so you kind yeah. of have to find your way of coming back to the uh, reality and how to cope with it. And, and then I realized that actually, you know, I'm probably the luckiest person in the world. You know, I had this horrible accident, but I had my friends around, I had my family around, I had my colleagues around at work. So my life hasn't really, apart from the discomfort I had lying down, which all kind of, I know, okay, this is, I was doing something I loved. So, you know, I, I, I didn't feel sorry. It was the right decision I would do it again. So realize that actually I'm very lucky because of the people surrounding me. So the life, my life hasn't been affected uh, other than the discomfort then realize that actually, how can I help support this environment? How can I help others? Uh, not in, ideally, hopefully, not in these drastic positions that I was in, but, but enriching the life of executives and colleagues. So that's kind of probably the, the most defining moment in me making certain decisions. Right, right. And that's, again, that's fascinating because when you think about it, it's, if you look at COVID, which affected obviously millions and millions of people, but it's it it was that one event that made us rethink yeah, what's important yeah, to us, yeah, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, now that was obviously that's a global pandemic, but it, it's the same thing. If if something happens in your life, my my father passed away in seventeen, and um, and that was a, a massive shock to me and my body and my system and my thought and my mind because. Yeah, well, and it happens obviously to everybody, but yeah, um, yeah. but we were sort of so close. He was so fit. He was water skiing in March and passed in August. Wow. And you just don't see it coming. But what it does do is it gives you a shock to make you reevaluate what's important. Yeah. 
And these things are, are the defining moments in anybody's life to, to a greater or lesser extent. And, and I think that's when we really get to see what's, yeah. what's important yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Following the success of one writing a book, and of course, I appreciate the impact of writing a book, and I appreciate the work, and I appreciate the effort, <laughs> and I appreciate the, the stress, um, because obviously we were pretty much writing writing our books at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, so once you've gone through that, apart from the fact that you think, wow, I've actually, I've actually published a book, and two is I've had great feedback, and three is I can see how it's helping people, right? That's the, the biggest enrichment, right? When you see people say to you, how much that's helped them in whatever journey they've they've got. Um, so since writing the book, and then obviously moving into, you could argue now broadcasting because of the podcasts, and suddenly you notice, as I'm noticing, because we've done similar things, we're now meeting people we might otherwise have never met. And we don't even know why we might be speaking to certain people, because we don't think that there's any common ground until you start to hear their stories. And that's when you go, oh my God, the knowledge, the curiosity. So tell me what it's been like for you since writing the book and having the podcast and all the people you met. Tell me how that's made you feel, what you've learned, how it's affected your your life journey, your purpose. You know, sort of tell me how, how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, great question, Jeff. Actually, I didn't expect any of this taking place, what you described. I thought, okay, you know, what do I do? I mean, I'll, I'll come. 100% clean now. What can I do to do generate leads? I said, oh, I can write a book, do a podcast. But what I didn't realize that doing the podcast would give me reach out to people that, like you said, that I would never otherwise meet or speak, let alone learn from. So it was so so interesting and so so enlightening. Now, initial first episodes, I think you were you were one of my uh, first, first initial guest, it was kind of very, you know, what shall I do? What shall I talk about? And how will it go? Will it be fun? Will, it, will they like it? You know, will anybody listen? So all these questions kind of overwhelms us. But then, now I can't wait for my next podcast because there's so much to learn. And you're absolutely right. I've been speaking with people from uh, Indonesia. You know, I, I interviewed them um, a localization manager from Tinder. Normally, I would think that Tinder is an app for people trying to match up and stuff like that. But how wrong I was. In certain countries, Tinder is used as a community, building up community for people to get together, not necessarily one-to-one. I think in the Far East countries, they use Tinder in groups. So there's like four or five people get together, have a chat and stuff. So it was like enlightening talking to people from um, talking to this entrepreneur from Indonesia and he says uh, you know what I have a business in uh, Vietnam I have a business in Singapore I said to him how do you do it you know how do you do it he said well what I do is take a flight go to Vietnam jump in a taxi while I'm in the taxi I just check up my <laughs> telephone Google Translate and I say a few words to the taxi driver in, 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 in Vietnamese. And the next thing I know, the, the driver is speaking with me. He said, look, you know, please just, you know, I only know a few words. And he said, basically, that's my secret. Just, just, you know, taking action and making an effort to connect with people. That's how I set up a co-founder the business. And he said, um, 
I think he has some really sort of interesting targets that yeah, by, by this time we'll be covering most of Southeast Asia. I was like, wow, you know, it's, it was amazing. So yeah, it is, there's so much that, that I have learned, come across, met so many interesting people. And there's some people that otherwise, without the podcast, I mean, one of my hobbies is, is cycling. I love cycling. Not that I can do too much of it, but I, you know, I love cycling. And um, one of the uh, British icons is Brompton Bicycles. Uh, you know, I, I love the bicycle. It's a folded one down there in electrics. But I also love their global reach. They they sell 10 times more to uh, uh, globally than they sell in the UK. And their uh, CEO, who played a major part in, in the global global step, he came to my podcast. I was, wow, you know, how else will I meet Will Adam Butler's Speaking, you know, if I, if I went to their company, look, Adam, I love, I love the bicycle. Can we have a chat? You will say, probably call the security. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't got the time. I'm sorry. You know, if everybody came around to the company, want to talk to me, you know, I couldn't run the company. But for the podcast, we had a, we had a conversation. It was enlightening, interesting. And, uh, and what he said would be very valuable to, to any, any business executive or anybody who wants to, of course, you know, grow their business. So this part that I didn't expect that part, but I'm loving it. I'm loving that part. And also speaking with you, you know, we met we met quite a few times, but we never had conversations in this in this level. And I, I'm loving this this conversation as well. Well, again, and it's one of the things that I learned through COVID because. So I've, I've, I'm usually very controversial with my views, but there has been people saying, oh, I'm fed up with Zoom, I'm fed up with Teams. Uh, we need to get back together. We need to be in a room. We need to be in the office. Um, and I'm very disruptive of that. I don't agree with it. And the reason I don't agree with it is that I do agree people need to meet up. That goes without saying. Um, but what I learned, and you've just proved the point, you know, we've met a number of times, but we've never had an intimate conversation, no, right? No, no. Yet, when we got on your podcast, we had an intimate conversation, yeah, one yeah. you would never have had if we were meeting in some networking event or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the same applies to business. You know, every one of my managers throughout COVID, during the first three months, everybody declared they hated being at home because it was unusual. They had nowhere to work. The kids were screaming, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but three months later, the same group of people said, we love it because they'd adapted, right? They'd solved yeah, the problems yeah, that they were yeah. initially facing. And then every manager, bar none, after five or six months said to me, I know my team more now than I've ever known them in the last five years because of these one-to-one -one intimate conversations. And it was game-changing. And that's what's created in great engagement levels and inclusion. It's, it's, it's solved so many problems. So when you get the balance right, it's very, very powerful. And of course, when you then do eventually meet up once a week, once a month, once every two months, the value of that meeting is a thousand times greater than when yeah. you see him every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. the bond. That's the bond. Yeah. Okay, so, Levent, I've got two questions for you. The first question is, based on your knowledge and experience, and you've obviously been running your business for nigh on 30 years now, so if you try and bring all of that together into your head into one space and there is somebody that says look i really want to control my own destiny i really want to make an impact in this part of my world 
but I'm really worried because I've got a mortgage, I've got a family, um, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I don't know what could happen next week or next month or next year, which obviously none of us do. What is the one piece of advice you would give somebody that had that dilemma? I mean, it's, it's a hard question. Um, there are a number of things I can say, but I think the most important thing is really that, because um, what I noticed in the early years of running my business, I now notice that I have been in a survival mode. Survival mode is like, I have to be in the office before everyone. I can't live at six o'clock. You know, I have to leave later so that I can catch up this one email, this, do this invoice, do, you know. So it was now I realized that it was a survival mode, which was, was it necessary? Now in my you know in my old age I can see that it really wasn't necessary. It was probably draining my energy that I could have used otherwise more creatively at work and also more productively at home. Because it's not just our business. Now I realize a lot more that yes, okay, business needs our attention, but so does our families. So one piece of advice that I would say I would give is that things work out somehow <laughs> and don't panic <laughs> take your time it will be all right you know now uh, that's what that's what i realized that there's no need to go into survival mode and things somehow work out but for it for it from the business perspective one thing that i, I would say is definitely uh, aim high aim aim a lot higher and yeah the five time i love is um shoot for the moon and if you miss it, don't worry because you'll land in the stars. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, and if I was to play back what you just said, Levent, which I thought was great, um, you know, just things will work out. So I would summarize that by saying, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My last and final question is again, if you could only name one thing. What would you say you are most grateful for? Well, <laughs> again, I'm grateful for a lot of things. Probably the most things that I'm grateful for is my family. But I'm grateful for my health. And it's, it's, it's a gift. It's not taken for granted, really. Health is, is, is almost like a gift. And now it's something that I have to look after it to make sure that I'm serving my family, my colleagues, you know, people who trust me, not just my family and my colleagues, also our customers, our providers. I know I'm giving you a long version, but one thing I'm grateful for is, is my family. That, that makes uh, such a big difference. And now I'm pleased to say that my family is extending with my grandson, who is bringing such a you know, it's, it's six-year-old bringing such a joy to our lives that was beyond uh, wildest imagination. Which is fantastic. Which is fantastic. I, I can tell you one, one story. We went to buy him a, a shin pad for his football uh, football team. And the, and the assistant said, you know, how tall are you? Uh, because those shin pads are apparently to the bit height. He said, I'm only six years old. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, for me, that was like, wow, you know, yeah. such a joy, such a lovely, such a lovely life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and again, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough, not, not that I compete in any way, shape or form, but I'm now up to eight grandchildren. And I know I don't look old enough to have more than one. Wow. But, um, <laughs> but when you're a parent, especially when you're running a business, starting a business, in, in exactly the same case where you decided to resign and, and, and go into business with, with, with your wife, with the mortgages and the kids and stuff, um, we all convince ourselves that we have to work hard. We have to, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, we've got to protect the family. We've got to get a roof over the head. And we do that at the cost of spending time with our family, right? Now, at the time, we believe it's the right thing to do, right? It's not until you get to our age where you've then got the benefit of grandchildren that you truly get a second chance, right? Because your own children, you've, you've missed that opportunity because you've done all the things you believe to be right at the time. But you then realize, actually, do you know what? Uh, and we, we went through a phase of our second grandchild where we, my wife used to have um, have Quinn every Thursday so my daughter could go and work and whatever. Um, and that Thursday, I'd wake up every Thursday morning and she would say to me, just as I'm drinking my tea and about to go to work, um, she'd say, Granddad, can you just play with me for a little while? And normally, you know, back to when I was a parent, I said, well, I can't, Don, I've got to go to work. I'll be late for work. Um, yeah. But in this in this scenario, when she said, can you play with me? I went, Absolutely. So every Thursday for the year we looked after her, I was late because that was that's that was the right thing to do. Um, because we get a second chance and we yeah, have different yeah. values, right? Listen, Levent, thank you so much for the time you've spent with us today. It's been great catching up again. We must catch up again soon without being such a gap in between. Look forward to it. Now that COVID is becoming <laughs> now that COVID is coming a bit bit more of a normality. Um, and uh, it's been really yeah, brilliant talking yeah. to you. It's great to see you smiling, and, uh, and it's great to see the success of your podcast as well and your book. So well done for that. And, uh, Thank and, you. I, and Thank I, look, you, I look forward to catching up with Thank you again you. soon. Likewise, yeah. It's been a total delight speaking to you. Wow. Thank you so much, Levent, for the time you've taken to speak to me today. And I've, I've learned lots and lots of nuggets, as I always do when I speak to people, and particularly since we spoke last what did I take out of that? There was a couple of real nuggets I enjoyed from that. One was that element of vulnerability where Levent said, let me come clean. When I asked him and probed about his working relationship as a employee before he started his own business and the fear he had um, and his wife when they decided that they were going to give up a relatively well-paid and secure job to start their own business when they had a young family, a mortgage. Um, and and when I asked him at the end, what's the one piece of advice you would give a budding entrepreneur that was nervous? He basically said, it will just work out. And and then I obviously countered that with, with, with a, a simplistic phrase that said, just do it. So it's interesting to hear that most entrepreneurs that I speak to say that you can't worry about the uncontrollables. Once you've made a decision, just do it. It will work out because it will it'll attract your attention in the areas that it's needed to make it work out. Um, I guess it's just about making sure that you are passionate enough for whatever it is that you are doing. Please do listen back to earlier episodes of Doing the Opposite, um, where you'll hear from incredible guests across my two seasons with incredible stories. 
and one being Sam White, who has an incredible story of entrepreneurialism and believing that she was unemployable, hence why she started her own businesses, so have then gone on to thrive. And then the choices she made to go and live in Beverly Hills, because she thought it was a great idea, um, and everything in between. So please do take the time to listen to some of the other stories because they are absolutely fascinating. I'm Jeff Dewing, author of best-selling book, Doing the Opposite, and CEO of Cloud Facilities Management. Cloud FM are changing the rules of our industry, and they're doing the opposite to create best value for our clients. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at cloudfmgroup.com or follow us on LinkedIn. You can also find out more about the podcast and my incredible guests at podcast.cloudfmgroup.com. Finally, a huge thanks to my team, as always, Nicola Crawshaw at CloudFM, Sarah Waddington of Astute PR, Thinking Hat PR, and my wonderful production team, What Goes On Media, who have helped me launch this incredible new podcast. Thanks for listening.